chastening uh, from the Lord, and, and uh, he's, he's regretting what he has done. So uh, verse 1 says, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. I don't know about you guys, but I never wanted to be corrected. I, I didn't spend a lot of, it's not like my parents used to beat the snot out of me or anything. <clears throat> but I learned really quick as a kid, I don't want to get spanked when my parents are mad. Right. I want them to have a second to cool off and then spank my little butt. You know, that's what I need. And that's what we would do with our children is I'm, don't get me wrong. There were times where it was. All right. We're leaving this store right now. You're getting a spanking in the car. And, you know, we'd have 10 seconds to cool down as we're dragging the kid out to the car. Right. You know, but our kids learned really fast. Our kids learned really fast. You come in the store and you act up in stores. You're not going in the store. And you're going to sit there and be bored in the car. So thankfully, our children weren't the ones acting out in stores. Uh, and uh, we were we were very blessed by that. We didn't know what to do. I mean, especially when you're a new parent. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing with this. And she's reading the, what to expect when you're expecting. And what to expect when kids are growing up. And I'm just, uh, you know, walking along with her trying to, okay, you know, figuring these things out. And um, But I, I, I learned... Uh, quickly, there was uh, a word shared with us. Whether it was on the radio or someone telling us, "Don't spank your kids when you're angry, when you're super angry." There are times that I did whack them when they got out of bed for the 38th time and uh, wouldn't wouldn't go, you know, back to uh, didn't want to get uh, back in that bed. And uh, Madison, our oldest, was the worst with that, and uh, she she did not want to stay in that bed. Oh my goodness! And she would get out of bed. Two hours later, she's still coming down, and there were times that little butt got hot. Well, it just that was enough, you know. But we, uh, you know, she didn't want that, and, and and after a little while, she stopped doing that and everything. But there was that time that she needed that correction um, because she needed to understand we set the rules, and and she is to follow them. Same thing with the Lord. The Lord has set rules for us. He set boundaries for us. And when we step outside those boundaries, the Lord in his faithfulness corrects us. That's, that's the faithfulness of the Lord uh, to correct us. Because if he didn't, he's not a loving father. He doesn't, you know, we, 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 we cannot spare the rod. If we, if we do so, uh, then we're, we're hating our children. The, the, what Proverbs tells us, if we don't discipline our kids, it's a form of hatred for them because we're not correcting them. Kids should not run the household. The kids should not be the ones that make the rules, the ones that, <clears throat> that uh, you know, are, are we going to go do this or that? <laughs> the, the screaming should not determine uh, whether the parents are going to take the child and go somewhere. But uh, as things are laid down in proper order, uh, then uh, the children understand, I'm not in control. Those two are in control, and what they say goes then they fall in line, and, and you know there are you know the lessons that come from that. But but immediately what we learned, uh, not that we're the most experienced, but I mean we've been through it three times with our kids, and we do have a great deal of of, of experience of how do you deal with a kid that's that's you know misbehaving, spank their butt, you know, and uh, and that's what we did. And I know sometimes that's well, um, some people frown upon that, and we'll put them in timeout and. You guys have probably heard from Will the, the what what timeout has done, and it enrages kids. Um, I don't know all the studies, so I won't mess it all up. But Will would share with us that 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 timeout is five minutes to stew. Five minutes. Oh, really? You want to put me here to think about it? I got five minutes to think of how much worse I'm going to be. 
you smack that kid on the butt, not sparing the rod, they know I act like this, I'm going to pay the consequence. And you spank their little butts. And uh, thankfully, like I've shared with you guys before, you know, uh, some kids learn faster, some kids learn uh, slower or whatever, but eventually there's the, okay, the, they're not kidding around. The kids call it my bat, my Batman voice, you know, dad, you know, like that or whatever. And they're like, oh, dad did the Batman voice. They'll say to each other when they're in their room or whatever. But uh, yeah, they, they said, yeah, dad, when you get mad, you got the Batman voice. Okay. You know, if, if that's, if that's okay, if, uh, if that works and then they got it, then I guess it works. But we don't want the Lord to chasten us in his hot displeasure when he's, when, you know, he is just, would you, Lord, please take it easy on me, right? My brother um, uh, got uh, extra spankings because when my mom put him over her knee, he had a pillow there. And when he smacked, when she smacked, why are you laughing? And he had put some sort of cushion there. Uh, so yeah, there's that. And I think my sister might have, I don't know, she'll text me later and, and if she's listening to this and tell me, yeah, I did it too. I don't remember. But, um, you know, that's uh, not appreciated by those that are, are doing the chastening, doing the correcting. Now, verse 2 says, for your arrows pierce me deeply and your hand presses me down. You know, God loves us too much to let us get away with sin is really what it is. Uh, you know, he, he'll work uh, in, uh, in a couple of ways. He'll first rebuke us and, and tell us you shouldn't do that. And then there's the chastening when we still won't listen. Uh, there's the don't do that. And then, then the, the, uh, you know, the, and oftentimes that's how, uh, us as, as parents would work. Hey, I'm warning you, you've been told not to do that. Don't do it. Still do it. Smack on the bottom. Right. And that's, that's what, what would happen. So if you would turn with me to, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to, um, look uh, at verse three. I'm going to read a few verses. Um, we're going to read from uh, 3 to verse 11 about the chastening of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Hebrews 12, 3 says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Uh, you know, quoting uh, Proverbs 3.11. Uh, we're in uh, Hebrews 12, verse, uh, verses, uh, we started in 3. And uh, now uh, we're in verse 6 now. You good? Okay. Hebrews 12, 6 says, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. 
Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God's chastening trains us, right? Trains us that, that don't do that. There's the rebuke, then there's the chastening. And what does that do? It trains us in how we should live. God's word, his love, his rebuke, his chastening that drives us to obedience, that we would know how to live that we wouldn't include certain things in our lives. However, we are stubborn, right? Some of us more stubborn than others. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Sarah says. We're stubborn. We're stubborn. And sometimes we like to return back to things that we shouldn't. And the Lord takes us right through the cycle again, rebukes us, chastens us. That chastening trains us, right? Rebuke, chase, and train. Rebuke, chase, and train. Trains us. Don't do this thing. It's not good for you. And sometimes even in our rebellion, we'll continue on even further in it. And what happens? Our lives unravel. And uh, we might need a bigger spanking from the Lord. You know, uh, what he, he works uh, as he needs to with each of us individually. Yeah, my encouragement to us here, we're here on a Sunday night, Seeking the Lord, I understand. You know, you're taking your your walk with the Lord very seriously. To our younger brothers and sisters that we see, or people that are right on the friend, maybe that we're ministering to, saying, "Hey, God doesn't want that in your life. He doesn't want that because look what it does." Let's let's use alcohol as an example. You know, it's it's an easy thing to get, right? It's an easy thing to return to. You can get it at any store, and it, and it's available. If people are uh, prone to getting drunk and getting in trouble for that, we then we would say, hey, man, I love you enough to tell you God does not want that. And you remember what happened last time? Because I, I, I uh, remember, uh, you know, back in my little heathen days that um, there were people that would absolutely lose their minds when, when they, yeah, and, and <laughs> you don't have to raise your hands. I see some hands going up. Lose their minds and be violent. Or it just be uncontrollable, and it's like you, you need to just abstain from that at all, you know altogether. And we've taught, we've had this discussion before. The scripture does not forbid somebody drinking; uh, it does warn against drinking and and what you know the things that happen. It's the drunkenness that's the sin, right? Uh, for me to be drinking is sin. I, I should not be doing that as the pastor of this church. I should not be. You should never, and you will never, see me walking around. Uh, you know, if I find a beer bottle on the ground, I'm throwing it away. It's the only exception, and hopefully I'm smart enough to do that when nobody's looking. Even that, because somebody might see that. You know, Jen and I went out to eat and um, uh, recently, and I've always been one that uh, would uh, be like, Sure, I'll sit at the bar because I know I'm, 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 and and so I can eat. I don't have to wait for an hour and a half. I can just get served right here. Sure, but I can't do that anymore because oh, didn't I, didn't I just see that guy on Facebook? Didn't I just visit that church and now he's sitting up there? You know, why is he sitting at the bar? Right? It'd be, it'd be smarter for me to to abstain from even the the sight of that. Right? Uh, so there, there, I have to be wise about those things. For us to be able to share with those that we know are new in their faith or are coming close, say, hey, with, you know, the scripture tells us 
to do these types of things very, very carefully and very lovingly rather than saying, hey, stop being an idiot. Sometimes like you could do that with certain, you know, you're close enough with certain people. You'd be like, dude, you're being stupid. Knock it off. Right. There are a few people in our lives. We have those things and it doesn't just have to be drinking. It could be anything. OK, I was just giving that as an example because it's so easy. It's so easy. It's at every store. It's wherever you go. Just using that as an example. It could be anything in our lives. It could be anything that we know is is harmful to somebody. And hey, I I know you have a uh, an addiction to gambling. Why are you buying scratch tickets, man? You wasted a whole paycheck on that last week, and you couldn't pay your bills, right? That's a chastening of the Lord, saying, hey, you know, ramen noodles don't taste as good as you know real food, right? You know, there there's that 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 reminder of you know if you partake in this there are there are cons whatever it is okay just you can put an x there and whatever that thing is i'm not just picking on certain people for anything but but david is is crying out to the lord please don't rebuke me uh in your chasing rebuking is a good thing and chastening is a good thing when it comes from the lord because it's correcting us he's not saying don't correct me he's saying please don't do it when you're mad <laughs> please please you know cool off because I, I, there's already enough here, right? And uh, you know, I, I know that there were uh, there are times where where we've experienced those things. So uh, verse three, uh, there is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden; they are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. That's uh, pretty graphic there. There's no soundness in my flesh uh, because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. There's, this is physically affecting him, uh, you know, what had happened. Uh, for my iniquities have gone over my head. Like he's that, that saying, oh, I'm, you're in over your head. Like this thing has swallowed me. Right, that that it's over my head. My I can't get my head out. That's that's the um, they they've gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Uh, you know that that's the way sin works, right? Sin works to uh, to uh, to continue to uh, just take over. That's uh, saying sin doesn't just come in and and uh, you know dabble here and there. That we would just dabble in it. No, there's there's a different process, and it's and it's an enveloping process. So look at verse six. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long, for my loins are full of inflammation, and there is no soundness in my flesh physically affected by the sin that he took part in. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before you and my sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pants. My strength fails me as for the light of my eyes. It also has gone from me. None of that sounds like anything I want a part of, right? <laughs> you know, just look at that. None of that is is encouraging. None of that is is uh, any type of um, like that it would draw us in. You know, that that's what sin does to us, though. It it, it affects us negatively, uh, as we see in David here. It's resulting in a sickness. Um, not only that. But it results in a heavy burden in our life. He's, he's talking about that in verse uh, verse 3. Uh, um, 
sorry, it's in verse four, uh, like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. You know, God, what did Jesus say? Uh, that, that my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? That we, that the Lord desires for us not to be burdened, not to, you know, if you consider the Lord looking at the sinner that's rejecting his word, there's a sadness there. That's the, that person's life wasn't meant for that. You know, our life before Christ wasn't meant to be that way. That's not, uh, there, there have, uh, there are those conversations that we've had is, uh, you know, of, of how come this takes place in the world? How come there's, there are bad people that do bad things because they've rejected the word of God, because as they reject the word of God, that it not only affects them, but they, they, that affects others, their actions affect others in their life. And they're going to have to answer for that. Uh, if they don't repent and they don't come to the Lord, there's an answer. There's a reckoning for that. I don't want that. I want God's mercy and I want his grace. And that's where we can point instead of this heavy burden. We all know. And before uh, we came to Christ, it was often for most people, the heavy burden of sin that drove to the, it drove us to our knees of I'm tired of this, this, this life, Whatever that was is full of emptiness, sorrow, and burden. And that, that's what it is. And regret, you know, that, that regret that's there. No, I want the light burden of the Lord. I, I just, I, that, that burden of just, just follow me. <laughs> that's it. Just, 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 just follow me. And uh, that, that God doesn't want us to be weighed down. And we can share that message of hope. Hey, are you tired of dragging your life through the mud? You know, because David is talking about this. He's physically in a really bad spot. You know, his loins are all in, inflamed, it says. There's a lot going on there that it's it's pretty gross sounding. Wounds festering. He's got a lot going on, and he's just crying out like, what did I do? Look at the mess I'm in. Look what's happening here. And, and it says that he sighed and panted, you know. Uh, he's just, he's, he's just ready to quit. It, it just, I, I, I'm just, I'm done with this. We've, we've talked about in James, the, how sin works, right? So sin uh, is enticing. Sin looks great from the outside for the first time. Excuse me. Before, uh, before it, it, it you know, ruins our life. It looks enticing. You can watch the commercials and see, hey, if I'm living this lifestyle, look how I'm, I'm going to live. The, uh, look how my life is going to be full of laughing and partying up, and, and I'm going to have all kinds of friends and everything. Watch what happens when you turn away. All right? I know a lot of us have experienced when you turn away, those friendships aren't as deep as you thought. You know, and, and, and wait a minute. We're not, oh, oh, hey, you know, can you help? No, I'm really, I, I, I really can't. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I'm not picking you up and taking you to the party here. You know, th those types of things, right? Because our lives change. I believe that's you know the Lord pruning that out of our life. And eventually we're going to be able to share that, uh, you know, with those, uh, those that we were once close with. You're all different now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all done with that. God wants to prune those things out of our lives. He uses rebuke. He uses chastening, especially specifically for the Christian. And when we know better, uh, the chastening 
uh, can sometimes be uh, much more harsh for us. That, oh, wow, that really hurt. God's going, no, really. Remember, because as James explains to us, sin works very deceitfully. It entices us. It draws us in. And then what it does is it now ensnares us. So we're drawn away by our own desires. Those desires give birth to sin, and that sin ensnares us, right? The end result of sin is death, right? That's how it works. Enticing, then it turns into sin and a snare to us, and then death. Spiritual or physical death, sometimes both. We have an enemy that that's what he wants. Whatever death it is, I don't care. I just want that person dead. You know, and, and, and that's how sin works. Seems great. But, oh, the, the regret is so always, always so much more than the joy of the sin. It always is. You know, especially for the, the, the one that is, is, uh, that is repenting. And say, you know what? It wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth the marriage. It wasn't worth the job. It wasn't worth my relationship with the Lord. It wasn't worth, you know, my friendship uh, being broken because I was a jerk. You know, all those things. It's just, it's never worth it. And here David is crying out because of how sin has negatively affected his life. Verse 11, my loved ones and my friends stand aloof uh, from my plague and my relatives stand afar off. <clears throat> Those also who seek my life lay snares for me. Those who seek my hurt speak of destruction and plan deception all day long. But I, like a deaf man, do not hear. I am like a mute who does not open his mouth. So what's being described here is sin builds a wall between us and those that could help us, family members, friends, or whatever it is. But it also builds a bridge to those that want to benefit from our chains, right? That's, that's what sin does because now we have a bridge to that relationship. Look at a drug dealer. Does a drug dealer care anything about the person they're selling the drugs to? No. Watch, watch documentaries. Seriously. If you get to watch a documentary on – I can't remember what it's on, which station it's on. I think it's A&E. Um, and they've got some, some of these uh, like drugs in America or whatever. You watch it. These guys are snakes. They are sharks. They care nothing for the people that they're that they're ensnaring and that they're 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 helping to kill. They really don't. In fact, they'll talk about, hey, you know what? I want the best stuff. I want my stuff to be the best stuff. And they'll find the targets and they'll go and they'll act like they're their friends. <clears throat> and then, hey, all I want is your 20 bucks. I don't care if you go die. You know, that's what they say. And often they'll make the excuse like, hey, you know, I don't really want to kill people, but if somebody's going to make money off it, why can't it be me? You can answer for that. But they're looking for those. So that's what sin will do is it will it will cut off good relationships. Those the, the ones that are supposed to be healthy in our life. And it will open up the gates and, and a bridge to those relationships that we should not have in our life to those that are not going to build us up. It's supposed to be, rever be reversed for the Christian, right? That we would surround ourselves with like-minded, where where with brothers and sisters that are going to edify, that we would edify each other. Um, uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of, his no of another, right? Proverbs tells us. 
that iron shop or sharpens iron. That iron, that grinding and stuff sometimes isn't well uh, and, and, and isn't uh, pretty and everything, but it's to our betterment. You know, that it helps us. It sharpens us rather than just dulling that, that thing that's sharp and just keep pounding it. You know, that, 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 that iron hitting something that's just going to make it dull if you want to compare the two uh, relationships. You know, that, that, that axe, as it's hitting something dull, it's going to get more and more dull and less useful, right? That's what happens in our lives. But that iron sharpens iron, that we would sharpen one another, we'd build each other up. We don't want the walls keeping us away uh, from those that, uh, that love us. You know, I'm like a deaf man and do not hear. And I am like a mute who does not open his mouth. That's a that's awful. You know, if we're a deaf, we're deaf and mute. You know, think of what Helen Keller had to go through uh, in in her life. Uh, you know, trying to learn those things spiritually. We should not be deaf and mute. We we shouldn't be. We're supposed to speak. Uh, the truth, and we're supposed to hear the truth and speak it, right? And he's talking about, man, I, I'm, I'm like a, a, I'm, I'm deaf and mute. That's a that's a bad bad spot to be. Um, uh, verse uh, uh, verse fifteen. For in you, O Lord, I hope. You will hear, O Lord, my God. For I said, hear, hear me, lest they rejoice over me, lest. Uh, when my foot slips, they exalt themselves against me. For I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare my iniquity. I will be in anguish over my sin. But my enemies are vigorous, and they are strong. And those who hate me wrongfully have multiplied. Those who uh, those also who render evil for good, they are my adversaries <clears throat> um, because I follow what is good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, uh, be not far from me. Uh, make haste to me, O Lord, my salvation. There's a, uh, there's a great uh, turning in what's happening here. Uh, when when you consider what's happened in the first 14 verses, and then there's the cry out to the Lord, right? That when you've experienced that rebuke and that chastening, it's supposed to drive to correction. And now we see the correction here. For in you, O Lord, I hope you will hear me, O Lord, my God, he says in verse 15. <clears throat> here is the confession, right? That's what he's, he's he, this is, this is, um, uh, look at look at verse sixteen. It says, uh, "For I said, hear me, lest they rejoice over me, lest when my foot slips they exalt themselves against me. For I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me." Verse eighteen is is the key. For I will declare my iniquity; I will be in anguish over my sin. You know what must the sinner do when confronted with the result of our sin? Repent, <laughs> confess. And forsake that thing, right? That's the, the important thing. When you consider a verse like 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you want to remember a verse? Remember that one. That's an important one. Because we can use that in our own lives and, and what a message of salvation to those that are, are lost and broken. You know, we have the opportunity to share the gospel and just 
uh, you know what, I this this life, I don't want it. great. You know what, you don't want any more of that. God doesn't want that for your life. I don't want that for your life. I love you enough to tell you this. I'm not judging you, but i got to tell you there's freedom from that in Christ. And if you want that freedom, all you have to do is trust in him. Confess your sins to him, and he's faithful and just to forgive you of that sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That cleansing, I can't. I don't believe that anybody who's feeling that weight and burden that he's talking about doesn't want that burden to be lifted, right? There, there's nobody that's walking around with that burden of sin that doesn't want that burden to be lifted because it's a burden, right? None of us want to carry a heavy burden. You know, they might reject Jesus. But they want that burden gone. You know, that's just how it is. We can share that with them. That we can share, like it says in 1 John, that we can know that we have salvation in him. That there's no question. You know, that's, excuse me, in 1 John 5, that's, that's an important scripture for us also to know. That we know we have salvation. You know, there's the, well, how do you know? Okay, yeah, so I can confess my sin and then poof, it's magically gone. Because of the blood of Christ, yes. And because of his grace and mercy poured out on us, yes, that is gone. <clears throat> Oftentimes, the questions will come in. Did I really say what I was supposed to to be saved? Especially the new Christian will say, did I really pray the prayer I was supposed to pray? Did I really mean it? I was talking with a brother, Justin Mitchell, um, before he, he left and he was talking about um, an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody who was literally on their deathbed and that people were saying, well, that, you know, deathbed confessions don't really, that, that, that's not true conversion of the heart. Are you serious? Are you serious? That person's totally confronted by their sin and they see the end in front of them and they say, I don't want the, the, the uncertainty or the punishment for that. Wh okay. Then what confession is real? You know, right? And, and I get it that, that 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 some people may be skeptical. Did they really mean it? Well, who are you? Does it matter to you? That's between them and Jesus Christ. And if they say it and they believe it, I've been able to share uh, with people that are are near death and uh, being been able to share. It's I mean, I, it has to be. It's a fear that I've never known. Right? I, I've never been to that point where I think I'm I'm about to die. And I don't know what's going to happen. I haven't, I haven't been there in my life. But we know as Christians that if I die, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. I know, I know that, right? First John 5 tells us that, that we can know we have salvation. So whether somebody says it, you know, okay, so if you want to do that, what about the thief on the cross, right? Have you guys ever looked into and really meditated on some of the, the junk that gets thrown around within Christianity? That that if you say okay, well let's confront that with the thief on the cross, baptism, right? Confession of sin. You know, there's a lot that happened. That thief on the cross, man, you can dive into that, and you can look and go, okay, wait a minute. He didn't have a chance to go do good works. He didn't have a chance to go get baptized, sprinkled, dipped. Was he baptized in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Father and Son? Those are things that we talked about this morning. Some of those things, those stupid things. Sorry for the, the I'm really, I think I can say stupid, right? Um, but uh, uh, those, those dumb things that the church has let just, just be a, a, such a division point. Really? 
we were we were we were talking this morning. I can't remember who I was talking to. Uh, talking, I was Tom, I think, and uh, we were talking about how foolish it is that there are are big Christian denominations that say if you were not baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, your baptism doesn't stand, and you might not even be saved. Totally, that that's true. That's part of their doctrine. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Oh, I missed, that must be in Second Fleshalonians, right? Right, that's from Will. <laughs> right? That's what it is. That's the flesh. That is our enemy throwing in stupid stuff to distract and divide the church. What did Jesus pray for? We just talked about this morning, unity within the church. Those, those things that are going to creep in. <clears throat> How, oh, what a, what a great gospel. You're going to tell somebody, yeah, you're going to do this, 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 and this. And then you might be saved. If you believe in your heart and confess, right? If you confess it with your mouth and believe in your heart, uh, the Lord Jesus. Yeah, I'm flipping those around again. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved, right? That's pretty simple to me. There are some that say if you weren't fully submerged, then you're not baptized. And if, if you were, seriously, if you were not baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you're not saved. What? Because, hold on a second, let's go to some red letters. So now you're going to, and, and that's what Tom and I were talking about this morning. Okay, I'm going to open this Bible up and I'm going to put red letters down. This is where I, I will get angry with somebody. Because all they're doing is putting a, a, a weight over someone's neck. And I'll say, you argue with Jesus. I'm not doing it. Because in red letters it says right there in the Great Commission, uh, Genesis, uh, sorry, in uh, Matthew 28, I think it's 19, where he says, go make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And what Tom said is that, yeah, well, what they'll come back with is, uh, well, well, if you say Jesus, you've covered all of those. That's what you see. You, th those are little fractures. We are talking about little fractures in our discussion after church in that foundational belief system that we're supposed to be in, that we were talking about this morning, the unity. There, there is unity in Christ. We have to be careful about the big things, though, right? Those big things. Because if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh and that he came here and died for us and ascended into heaven, we are not brother and sister in Christ because you don't, understand, you don't have that relationship with Christ. It doesn't mean we never talk to them, but we share that with them and say, your, your, your doctrine's off. And, and, and we let the scriptures guide us through and share, share with us. Guys, if you ever want... Scriptures that claim that show Jesus is God. I've got like 94 of them uh, in a in a note on my phone that I'll I'll shoot to you at any point that you can have for any discussion that Jesus is God or some of these doctrinal things. And the reason I'm bringing this up doesn't seem to really uh, you know it may not seem to. Hey, I thought we were talking about David being broken over his sin. Yes, but when someone is broken over their sin, they need a savior. And they can cry out to the Savior, and their 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 sins are forgiven, and they're they're washed clean, and then they know, right? We can know we have the salvation in Jesus Christ as we walk with Him. That's what we want in our life. That's what that's as we experience God's grace, we we want that to take place. And unfortunately, it's not the desire of everybody else, but even within Christianity. For um, uh, for everybody uh, to come to a saving knowledge, they'll stand in their pride and say, "No, no, I, I'm the elect. You're not the elect." 
It, there's, there's some craziness there. What type of a hopeful message is that? There's no hope in that message, right? There, it just when, you, when we look at something like Thom, Thom, Psalm 38, uh, when we can look at something like that, somebody completely broken, and what does he do? What does he say at the end of this? For I, verse 15, for in you, O Lord, I hope. You will hear, O Lord, my God. You know, hear, verse 16, lest uh, they rejoice over me, lest uh, my foot slips, they exalt them, that they'd make fun of, oh, yeah, see, I, I knew I knew that person really wasn't a Christian. I knew that that all wasn't uh, something that really, uh, it was just a fad for them. You know, and, and that's when we can look at that in that uh, context right now. Verse 17, for I'm uh, ready to fall and my sorrow is continual before me, for I will declare my iniquity. I will be in anguish over my sin. That brokenness. God loves that broken and contrite heart. And he's ready to forgive. You know, unfortunately, there are some within what is called a Christianity that don't want sinners to repent. They would rather them say, you know what, I'm better. Uh, you know, there's uh, a, uh, that I'm, I'm uh, you aren't like me. Uh, unfortunately, that's the case, right? So they want to set up all these um, these uh, legalistic things that keep the sinner from, uh, from being saved. If, if you haven't seen Jesus' revolution, uh, there's a good, uh, a good example of that in there, right? So that as the more hippies that start going to Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa and Chuck Smith's like, wait a minute. And he comes to the realization, like, like these people need the savior. And he's getting confronted by those in the church that are like, they're going to dirty up our carpets. And he, I can't remember what he said. Like we need new carpets or we got to clean them or something like that. And it's like, then we get new carpets or they need new shoes. We're not going to tell them not to come to church. Oh, that brokenness. When that brokenness happens, we, the Christian church, uh, have the antidote for that brokenness, that sin that has taken over someone's life, swallowed them whole, right? I'm in over my head. Oh, oh yeah, let me tell you about Jesus. Let's go to 1 John 1, 9. Then we can go to 1 John chapter 5, and you can know that you're saved. You know, what a, what a better, what better message is there than that? I don't know that we would get through Psalm 39. Um, so, uh, so let's pray, and uh, I'll shut that off, and, and uh, we can uh, pray uh, for each other, pray some thing, uh, things that we have going on. It's about uh, 7.10 right now. So that'll give us you know, 20 minutes if we need uh, to pray together, uh, to talk. And uh, uh, just a reminder, uh, men's conference on Saturday uh, up at Calvary Chapel in Orrington. I think it starts at 8.30 or 9.00. Does anybody remember? It was on the eight eight thirty. It opens uh, coffee, donuts type thing, and it's from nine to three is what it's scheduled for. If you haven't been there and you're you're toying around with going, uh, go. <laughs> it's awesome. We've got we've got uh, you know just that time where you can block out for six hours. You're in Christian fellowship. You're lifting your voice, and you're getting sermon after sermon after sermon. Right. It's, it's, it's beautiful, and we're going to have a group of people leaving here. So if you're interested, shoot me a text. Uh, there's going to be a carpool from here uh, right up to Orrington. We'll spend the day together and uh, then go about whatever we need to do. So uh, let's pray. Father, we are uh, grateful for psalms like 
Psalm 6, Psalm 32, Psalm 38 that show the brokenness uh, that that sin has has led uh, to uh, led um, and in this case here David too that regret that remorse Lord thank you that you are so faithful that you love us so much that we wouldn't get away with sin that would hurt us that you are faithful to rebuke us to chasten us Lord in a in a manner so that as you do so you're training us. You're, you're changing us and building us up. We thank you, you for your faithfulness and your love. Praise your name, God. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, we know that um, Tom is, uh, it was such a blessing to see him uh, here and, uh, and, and to have him here. Uh,